The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 27 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. This Saturday, I'll be joining Brady and Chris, the hosts of Goonies Minute, on their Patreon supporter bonus episode where we will be discussing our top three pirate movies, or guilty pleasure pirate movies, how that may be. This should be a wild ride as we pillage and plunder the pirate genre and how these movies have made a mark on our lives. Notice I didn't say Black Spot. I did notice that, actually. Yeah, I figured I didn't want to, like, drag in our Movies by Minute brethren over there into having a black mark on their soul. So I'd just rather reserve those kinds of things for you. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, so you're taking one for the team. Or at least (laughs) their team. (laughs) But definitely check out patreon.com slash Media to learn how you can get access to all their bonus content spanning Goonies Minute, Jurassic Park Minute, and Ghostbusters Minute. Wow. Let's get sailing. In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow hit an obvious sore spot with Will Turner as he suggested he was a eunuch. I mean, suggested that he might have found a woman of his dreams but was unable to woo her. <laughs> After a bit of sword fighting, a balancing act, and physics defying leaps into the rafters, things were set for the fighting to commence yet again. Minute 27 begins with Will Turner and Captain Jack Sparrow sword fighting in the rafters, jumping back and forth until Will outmaneuvers Jack and knocks his sword right out of his hand. The minute ends with Royal Marines breaking through the door, rushing in to find Jack unconscious face down in the dirt, and proceeding to surround him with their muskets and bayonets pointed at his seemingly lifeless body. In the minute's final shot, we see Will covered in soot standing over Jack as Norrington says, Excellent. So I don't know if you were going to start things off, but I'm just going to say, wow. You know, I'm impressed that we actually ended the week in this perfect spot. We have a natural teaser in place, since obviously we don't know what's in store for Jack. And hopefully all you listeners out there are also abiding by our rules not to look ahead into the next minutes. Obviously, none of us know what happens to Jack Nick, so we all got to tune in on Monday to see what's going on. But besides the natural teaser there, the sword fight is done, the director is yelling cut, and we're moving to the next scene starting Monday. Woohoo! Now you can go. Thank you. So I wanted to point out, I know this is last minute, but I wanted to point out, you said yesterday... About this physics-defying stunt, and you also said that why didn't Jack, when when Will was in the rafters, why didn't Jack just leave right then? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I kind of went back a few seconds and noticed that it looks like the thought actually crossed Jack's mind because he gets a smile on his face and looks up at Will like, oh, this is my chance. But then Will drops the bundle of... Looks like barrels or something. Barrel, yeah, barrels down and pops Jack up. Yeah, so we pro- I don't know if we, how much we talked about that particular stuff besides the physics part of it. But yeah, it looks like Jack is thinking, yeah, this is my opportunity to try and get out of here again. Yeah. And Will's like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And that's when he, he drops the barrels on him to shoot him back up into the rafters. And so the fights can commence. Yeah. But I think that plays into some of the stuff we're talking about here, too. We'll get going with that. With Minute 27, we actually have more evidence that Jack really is a pirate and does not play by the rules. 
So Jack hits Will with the soot from the bag by the forge. I'm not sure if that's connected to the bellow or what. I probably should have looked at that closer, but it's like he just grabbed this giant vacuum bag or something and squeezed out all the ju- all the all the nastiness that you know collected there right onto will it's like throwing or kicking dirt actually into someone's face when you're fighting and that's kind of considered bad form except this is chocolate powder well i, I don't know what the rule is with chocolate powder <laughs> so is that some behind the scenes facts yeah They're, it's there so they can make their hot chocolate <laughs> Well, there's a fire going right there. Yeah, you just need a little water and you're all good to go. Well, yeah. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> want hot chocolate in the Caribbean? <laughs> Elizabeth Swan just moments ago was fanning herself from the heat and, and Heather wants to make hot chocolate. I guess that's no Why, different than with Starbucks serving piping hot coffee during the summer. So I guess there's no difference. Yeah, exactly. All right. People like their hot beverages in the In the Caribbean. morning, you know. In the morning? No, I don't know. what t- It's not the morning. Well, I'm though. just saying that like they're hot beverages in the morning. Oh, okay, so they're probably preparing for the next day. Then they have it all ready yeah. to go. It's, it's, there's a lot of chocolate in there. So. It's John Brown's Blacksmith and Coffee Shop. Yes. It's a new trend. Exactly. Or an old 18th century trend. <laughs> so we've seen all this evidence building up. But, and then it's in this minute that it really becomes verbally blatant. So Will says, you cheated when Jack pulls the pistol on him. And I think that that's, you know, again, it's this bad form, like during a sword fight. And Jack simply responds, pirate. It's more of pirate. Hello. Yeah, that's probably, that is definitely how, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for acting that out for me there. You're welcome. And you needed to put that in there. But I probably should have. This was like the finale, though, to Jack's line from minute 25 and 26 when he says Will was incapable of wooing said strumpet and alluded that he did so because he played by the book. Then you can see that look of disgust and disappointment on Will's face. And it's just really this classic look like you pulled a gun on me. That is so cheating. It really is. He is like hurt by it. Yeah. He's like, you're not playing by the rules. You know, we're having fun here, having a sword fight. Doing it all by the rules, and then you pull a gun? Yeah. How's that even fair? He, he couldn't fathom that Jack, and I don't think he could fathom that anyone would cheat during a fair fight. Yeah. Or like this fight amongst gentlemen, if yeah. you want to call it that. So it's simply not proper. And I'm thinking that Will has probably never heard of the saying, all's fair in love and war, that adage that we have now. So maybe it wasn't mainstream then or hadn't been invented yet, and I did not even look that up. It wasn't Seriously? in the movie, so I didn't even go there. <laughs> but you're referencing it. I'm referencing it, though. Wow. Because you can see it. I mean, it's on his face that he is really like, this is not what gentlemen do when they're fighting. It's it's the, you know, that proverbial, we're going to get our dueling pistols out and we walk X number of paces and turn and shoot or have rules when we're doing our fencing and our sword fighting and stuff. But Jack is a no rules kind of guy. He's a pirate. That's right. And that's a, really an opposition to... Jack's philosophy that sometimes you have to bend the rules or break the rules or maybe shatter the rules sometimes, (laughs) you know. Sometimes. Exactly. So it's up to this point, Jack has been presented as a morally ambiguous character. We're wondering, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Or is he, you know, probably falling somewhere in between? This shows up in his, well, it shows up when he's on the dock with Elizabeth and we're like, you know, is he really going to hurt her or is it just a means of escape? You know, is he going to pull the trigger to escape the workshop when he's holding it against Will? We get this sense that those are, you know, like always his last options, though. I don't get the sense that he's actually willing to just kill these people. 
No, I don't think that's where he's going. I think it's, again, trying to just use the threat as a way to get out of the situation. But is it like his, will he use it though? That's the question. And that's the question that I think the writers probably wanted to give us. Will he use it? And that's what we don't know. Is he capable of actually pulling the trigger or tightening the chain around a woman's neck to get away? Is he like a caged animal that, you know, kind of will do what is necessary to ensure his freedom? That's that's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure. He just doesn't seem like he could actually take that last step into, you know, that situation. But he is a pirate. So. He is, but he's a nice guy. Well, and yeah. he tries, and he, and he figures his, you know, he's always, everything's going to work out in the end type of thing. You know, if something bad happens, then it'll end up turning around for him. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see some of the expanded universe stuff. If like in the novels, they really get into, did he, has he ever really killed anybody that, not in like a fight, you know, where we see a right. traditional fight or a pirate fight or ships fighting amongst themselves, but... In a situation like this where he's trying to escape a town that he kills, say, an innocent civilian yeah. to get away. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, so that that we don't know. And I think and the writers did a really good job of presenting this moral ambiguity, as we're calling it. And that's why we're talking about it, because we don't know. We don't have those answers to that question just right. because of the way he's acting. So we're still kind of left in the air. like, But we get the sense that he ne- won't necessarily do that, but we don't know for sure. Right. So in listening to Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott, and they're the screenwriters on the film, they said it was originally written with Jack saying that line before raising his pistol. The line, this is this shot is not meant for you? Yeah, so when he's saying, you know, don't make me shoot you, this shot is not meant for you, this whole plea to Will, like, get out of my way, let me escape, it was actually written with Jack saying that line before he actually raised the pistol and held it on Will. But Johnny Depp took that and changed it up a bit to keep that kind of morally ambiguous guessing game going. So what we see in the final product or the finished film is Jack saying his line while the pistol is raised, but then cocks it. So it's kind of, instead of raising it to say that, he actually is already has it on Will at this yeah. point and then just cocks the pistol like, I'm going to shoot you. So yeah. we don't see that he's, you know, his instinct is not that it's there and then he's going to raise it. His instinct is the pistol's already on you. Now I'm getting more serious. It's that thing that we always see with Jack that, okay, the line is starting to be crossed here and he's going to take that next step or right. potentially take that next step or want you to think he's going to take that next step. Yeah. So this shot, he says it's it's not meant for, for Will. So does this shot have another purpose? Is there somebody... That this shot is meant for. That's what I have in my notes is that we also find out that this one shot, the same one shot that Norrington made fun of in earlier minutes on the dock, that it does indeed have a purpose. And they're making it sound like there is a revenge motive here, but they haven't revealed it to us and we'll find out in later minutes. They do give us that tease of like, hey, I don't want to use this because this is for somebody else. There is a story behind this one shot that's in his gun. And there's it's it's meant for somebody else, some sort of type of revenge. Exactly. So I think this whole part where Jack changed it with the pistol, you know, of how he was holding it on Wilt, the one shot thing, it definitely improves on the scene. And I think it says a lot about Jack's character as opposed to if he had not aimed it at Will to begin with. 
What we also find out is that there is a link here to Jack and the revenge that maybe has that's associated with his one shot and his pistol and with Will, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about that, and I have that in my my really bad egg segment. So there will be a connection there that I'll bring up, and so I'll kind of come back so and circle back to that. So you're teasing this connection, and then you're Well, because it's in really bad egg me. segment, so I don't want to do that now. We do that at the end. But I did want people to, to see that there is some character similarities, that they are on some similar ground in the way that they operate, or at least they have some revenge uh, associated with them, with okay. both their characters, or something that drives both their characters. Oh. Oh, okay. Can't wait and, to hear it. All right. You'll stay tuned. <laughs> if you also watch the interaction of both Will and Jack throughout this whole sword fight scene, and we're talking the minutes that we've had this entire week, yeah. kind of all-encompassing here, you will see this idea of Jack willing to bend the rules or shatter them, however we wanted to say that, that we already highlighted. But it does expand this notion that Will is rather proper He's not looking to cheat, but he wants to win in a way that does not compromise his virtues. And by watching Will, this shows up by him allowing Captain Jack Sparrow, Jack Sparrow, to always recover before continuing on with the match. So he doesn't hit him while he's down. Right. He doesn't throw dirt on him. He doesn't pull the pistol on him. He doesn't grab a hammer or anything else that's swinging around. If Jack falls down with the sword, he's kind of waiting for him to get back up to start the match again. And it's like that, you know, this is what proper gentlemen would do. So we're seeing this this character build up with Will continue on that we've been talking about. And that's some of the differences between Jack. You know, it's kind of like the the thing with, you know, the the royal soldiers or the soldiers, you know, say in this 18th century would would line up. There were certain codes of conduct or certain certain ways that you would conduct yourself on a battlefield. And right. then when they met up with or were battling, say, Native Americans or Indians, that they were hiding they didn't come right out in the open, you know, so that there's, you know, it's almost like you couldn't really, you didn't really have that. They, they didn't know how to maybe respond always to some of that, that type of battlefield work because it wasn't the same code of conduct. And so Jack is something similar to that. He doesn't abide by those rules that have been established for the military. Right. But then um, Will's not military either. But he's in that kind well, of it's world. A simi- it's a similarity. I was just yeah. drawing that kind of same similarity because will is it's that gentleman culture that this is how you conduct yourself during a fight these are the rules and it's like fencing you see them back up and start over again yeah watching the olympics or something like that as opposed to what you know you watch fencing every weekend (laughs) yeah (laughs) fencing's pretty cool <laughs> but you do see you do see that development happen and you see Will want letting him recover whereas Jack would be perfectly willing to throw soot in his face or pull a pistol on him at any opportunity. Right. Well, Jack stepped on that board and knocked Will onto the ground in the last minute. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you do see some of that kind of fighting happen that you wouldn't normally see. Right. Or at least that you haven't seen necessarily by Will doing that. Yeah. You know, Will does prevent him from leaving, but he's not actually, you know, it's not part of the sword fighting. He does work to keep Jack in the fight so they can finish it and he can't escape. And then he can claim himself a a pirate, captured pirate. Yes. Well, kind of claim himself a captured pirate. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If the boss would just stay out of it. (laughs) 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 and not claim it. (laughs) 
That we won't know until minute 20. No, but the boss ended up knocking him out. Yeah, I'm getting a sense, and we can talk about this on Monday, is that John Brown really gets a lot of credit for things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just sits there and drinks all day and passes out. and Maybe that's him getting the job done. Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, because he does get up. Yeah, you're right. He gets up. Will is going through this whole sword fight, going through all of this, and this guy just happens to wake up and find two people battling it out in his shop and he goes okay i got my um, my empty bottle and crack okay, yeah it's done. yeah it's like that comedic well it's like a, something you'd see in a cartoon probably a warner brothers cartoon or bugs bunny where there's a big huge fight and then somebody comes up and just ends it with one kind of fell swoop real Oak. quickly yeah <laughs> i wanted to throw in a quick thought about the camera work here in this minute i really like what's happening here with the fight scenes and I think it really accentuates it. So in this minute, we have some more footwork shots and things like that. Stuff that shows really the skill of both Will and Jack. But what works really well with all the motion that's happening in the workshop and how that adds a unique element is that we have some great angles of some of these shots that the cameraman is taking. So for instance, at one point, we see Will and Jack fighting in the rafters on the beams. Yeah. And the cameraman or the camera crew is on the ground level. And on one side of the screen is the gears. So we have part of the screen with the gears turning. And then we have Will and Jack fighting on the beams. And I thought that was some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, it shows not only they're, like we said yesterday, it's not only they're fighting. And it adds another element. And it's more like a dance type of thing rather than just fighting. That's you right. You know, there's just more, more element, more to look at, more to take in i guess well it makes it actually the workshop is alive yeah and it's a real working place it's not just a set so i watched recently as i'm preparing for you know some of the stuff that i'm doing with the guest hosting or or joining as a guest host for the goonies minute is i watched a number of pirate movies just to refresh my memory and one of those was captain blood from 1935 with errol flynn It's not necessarily any of the fighting scenes or anything, but what I did notice is where they spent their money on sets and set decorations and things like that. So we have Captain Blood, who starts off as a doctor, Dr. Blood, which is pretty cool. Dr. Blood. Oh, yeah, Dr. Blood. Did he bleed people? Yes, actually, he did bleed people in the movie. Oh, seriously? Yeah, so it's funny. Because it is. (laughs) Because at one scene, he's the governor has gout. He's having trouble using his foot, and he's going to try and slip away. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but basically he's a slave and he ends up, he ends up at Port Royal. Huh? Re- yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And Port Royal was in Cutthroat. Cutthroat Island. Yeah. And Pirates of the Caribbean. So Port Royal definitely was wow. a, kind of a pirate's haven or where they would show up. They weren't friendly with pirates. Like Tortuga was maybe friendly with pirates, but yeah. Port Royal we definitely don't know was that not. Yet. I'm talking from other movies and oh, just in okay. general history. Anyways, where you ask that, it's funny because the governor who is who was sick and he had taken in Errol Flynn, Captain Blood is his personal doctor because he was a slave on this island or Port Royal that he brought him there. And so he's trying to sneak out like, hey, there's nothing more I can do for you. I'm just going to go back to the stockyards or wherever he was going, the stockades. I think he said the stockades. Why would he go to the stockyards? It's like, I got to go tend the cattle. No, he was going back to the stockades and where they were keeping all the slaves the governor didn't want him to go, so he's like, well, is there anything you can do for me? He goes, no, nothing. He goes, well, bleed me one more time. Huh. And then did it. So, 
Yes, you were right. So anyways, that was a long tangent for something that really didn't have a big payoff. <laughs> I'm pretty famous for those things. Well, and, his name's Dr. Blood. Well, I mean, you got to figure he's bleeding people. But where I was really going with things is you can see the big difference in the set designs, like where they spent their money. So his room, this room when he's getting dressed before he's a slave and he's a doctor in his house in England, there's like a bed and some stuff, but there's no decorations on the walls. Very minimal just decoration besides a bed and maybe... Uh, a nightstand or something in this room so it's pretty funny to see how things have changed since 1935 where you really need to have all that set decoration to make those pieces real so they just spent it spent their money more on set pieces pirate ships and maybe some of these other things but it was pretty bare minimum for sure that's interesting so that's a long way to say it's pretty cool the way that they had the camera shot or the camera shots the workshop was alive there's all kinds of things happening in there compared to something in 1935 another pirate movie that you know fairly realistic pirate movie if we want to call that that or at least compared to pirates of the caribbean that shows you know some minimal set differences but those are some of the small differences that can really make a big difference in a movie to see all these pieces working together yeah and i think really helped this particular scene with the workshop right from captain jack sparrow to camera work to maybe set decorations and all that i think that's all leading up for top lines of the week with our really bad egg segment take it away captain jack really bad egg in case you're just joining us, each Friday we pick our favorite line of the minutes covered over the week. So hit me with your favorite line, Heather, from the past five minutes. My favorite line actually comes from today's show, and that is, this shot was not meant for you. Hmm. Good choice. It really shows the character of Jack, and it shows that there's something else meant for this bullet, and the reason why Jack's been saving it. Is it revenge or is it something else? It's, it's something to look forward to. I agree. There's some mystery that we're kind of getting a peek about the mystery because we had the tease from Norrington saying he only has one shot. Yeah. A gun with one shot or no extra powder, all these kinds of things. Right. So now we're seeing that Jack actually has a meaning for this or there's a reason why he only has one shot. Right. It's a kind of an interesting plot point that we will be able to track later on and the writers kind of set us up for that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So my favorite line from the last five minutes is when Norrington enters the blacksmith shop and says, that is without a doubt the worst roof I have ever seen. (laughs) That would be a great line if it was actually in the movie. (laughs) As he puts his hand over his eyes because he's getting hit by sunlight. Yeah, just kidding. My pick of the week is Will's response to Jack regarding him needing to find a woman. I practice three hours a day so that when I meet a pirate, I can kill him. I didn't choose it for maybe what you think, actually, because I I did choose this line before I looked at the script and at the closed captions. And it sounds as though Will actually says it instead of him. It completely sounds when he's speaking it to Jack. I practice three hours a day so that when I meet a pirate, I can kill it. If that is the case, the way he said that and not he didn't go with the script, or at least this isn't maybe the final version of the script, but it is in the closed captions. If so, that's why I chose the line, because it tells us that Will doesn't think of pirates as men or people, but objects that need to be eliminated. He refers to them as an it, not as a him or a her, but most most pirates were were men at the time. Closed caption says him. My ears 
here yeah. it. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And so I did do a quick search on the internet and sometimes it was with it and sometimes it was with him when people were actually quoting that as a line or, or huh. putting that in the movie. So there have been different ways. Everybody's hearing it a little bit differently. Right. It's a very telling line too about the thoughts and perhaps need for revenge that Will harbors it. Maybe as a result of his experience on the merchant ship or some other pirate calamity, perhaps. So this gets back to what we were talking about with your quote of the week Uh and what we were talking about earlier when I was teasing something about revenge. So Will obviously has some kind of revenge, too, for pirates, just the way that, you know, he's responding to Jack. So there is some banter there. Will is doing some of the baiting, too. It's like Yes, it's not only Jack. Yeah, it's like the classic comeback. He's saying, I'm gonna, I practice three hours a day, and I'm this good, so I can kill a pirate. Because Jack is a pirate, and he's fighting him at the moment. So there is a classic just comeback line there. Yeah. Well, the famous jerk store comment from George Costanza. <laughs> oh, yeah, the jerk store called that kind of thing. So yes. this, this here is kind of like that. But Will doesn't actually have to wait till he's out of the office to come up with a line to come back. <laughs> He had it already. I think it serves two purposes. A, the snappy comeback. He's baiting Jack to say, yeah, I am that good. I've been practicing. And my skill is to use to kill pirates, which you are. And then I think it also tells us a little about his personality. And maybe he has some revenge for pirate killing. Yeah. So Jack and Will are kind of in the same line. Yeah. So I think that there's some harmony. There's always some shared characteristics between, say, heroes and villains in a movie. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Jack is necessarily a villain. But he kind of walks a line between being a hero and a villain so far that we've seen. Yeah. He saved Elizabeth, but he's doing some other things that maybe aren't so heroic. Right. We have a couple of listener additions I'd like to share, too. Onipaha Hanu, aloha to you. That wasn't her name, aloha to you. I was actually <laughs> saying aloha to you in case you didn't get it. You're like, man, that's one it. heck of a username. <laughs> Onipaha Hanu, aloha to you. No, Onipaha Hanu, and I am saying aloha to you, Onipaha <laughs> Writes that her favorite line is when Jack says pirate, and that's just the one word, pirate exclamation point. And that's in response to Will telling Jack that he cheated. And Onipaha writes, it's the simple word pirate, and the way he said it says it all. As if to say, I'm a pirate, what else did you expect? Yeah. So I agree with Onipaha that the word pirate has pretty, kind of like this pretty well-established connotation with it. If you're dealing with a pirate, you expect that he will cheat. That's what they do. It's a single word, but I think it carries a lot of meaning or things we could read into it. Yes. And I think it works well for this particular situation. I think it's it's funny, it's comedic, and it's mm-hmm. like a duh, you know, what, yeah. what do you expect, as we just said. But I'm wondering, and I'm thinking it can actually be used in a number of different settings. It's like, why'd you drink all the rum? Pirate. Heather? <laughs> oh, I mean pirate? Why'd you shoot that strumpet? pirate (laughs) and i wonder and i've been thinking too it's not just maybe something that would happen in 18th century stuff too it's like i wonder if that is an invalid excuse for defense in court why did you exceed the speed limit pirate (laughs) you know so i I don't know i haven't tried these but i can't give a legal advice here but if you're out there and you want to test that theory let us know how it goes for you in court or when a cop pulls you over and says you know why were you speeding you say pirate Pirate? and and let us know what he says he might let you off actually but we don't we're not legal and we're not lawyers so we can't really advise you on that i'm just curious if you do have an experience with that and say pirate let us know 
He might get a chuckle out of it. Tell him Pirates of the Caribbean Minute sent you, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> if you don't get the chuckle, don't say where you yeah, got it. <laughs> exactly. Only if he laughs at it do you say that. And then we have another one. This is from John. He sent his favorite Jack Sparrow line from the week, and his is, but how's your footwork? And so he's, he actually said, it's like saying you can sing pretty good, but can you dance too? So I thought this was really great. It might be a different take on this particular conversation that we touched on earlier in the week. It's almost like Jack is shortening a common phrase again. That way we get like the gist of what's going on without having to cite the entire line. It's similar to when Jack says sticks and stones love. Yeah. It does speak to what we're talking about here with him baiting Will and playing mind games and things. So I think yes. that there is some commonality between that and some of the stuff we've been talking about. So they're all pretty yep. good quotes. So thanks for sharing those with us. We really appreciate it and love to read those on the air and just read your comments and stuff. So you too can share your favorite Curse of the Black Pearl lines with us on all our usual channels, email, phone, social media. Let us know the line and what made you choose it and we just might share it on the show with everyone. I think that wraps up a rather good week, actually. We'll just end on that note. What do you say? It's been a great week of fighting. <laughs> that it has. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next chapter and my guest spot on Goonies Minute this Saturday. Oh yeah, that'll be fun. That is Can't it wait. for me. Yeah, should be good. Don't forget to leave a comment, ask a question, or share your thoughts and theories. Give us a ring and leave a message on our new pirate hotline, 8637-PIRATE. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 28 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Thank you. for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.